So if you have Bibles with you, will you please turn to Colossians chapter 4. I have a request. Okay, let me see the Bibles please and say after me, this is my Bible. I love it. It's the Word of God. And now I open my heart to receive your Word and to do everything it says. Thank you very much. Thank you, Lynn, for that little iPad that you were showing us there. Very good. Okay. Okay, Colossians chapter 4 and verse 2. You might say, why is he starting in verse 2 rather than verse 1? Well, this is the passage I was given. I'm a man under authority, so I'm doing what I was told. But you have to remember there were no chapter divisions in the Bible until around the 8th or the 9th centuries AD. And everything just came in chunks. And sometimes the chapters, when they were divided up, uh, sort of didn't come in quite the right place. And the chunk really starts in verse 2. So here we go. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Tychicus will tell you all the news about me. He's a dear brother, a faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I'm sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your heart. He is coming with Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother, who is one of you. They will tell you everything that is happening here. My fellow prisoner Aristarchus sends you his greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. You've received instructions about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. Jesus, who is called Justus, also sends greetings. These are the only Jews among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have proved a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He's always wrestling in prayer for you, that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature, and fully assured. I vouch for him that he is working hard for you and for those at Laodicea and Hierapolis. Our dear friend Luke, the doctor, and Demas send greetings. Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. After this letter has been read to you, See that it's also read in the church of the Laodiceans and that you in turn read the letter from Laodicea. Tell 
Archippus. See to it that you complete the work you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. Something very odd has happened. I've just lost my notes. Um, I was writing on them a moment ago, so they're not far from here. I know they're not far from here. My notes there. Oh, here they are. Sorry, just a, one of those mo- panic moments when you think, crumbs, I might have to do without them. Uh, that wouldn't be so bad, I suppose. Uh, what I want to do is to try and pick up the two major themes of these few verses uh, in which Paul says a number of final thoughts. Now, I don't know about you, but... Uh, When I read the letters of Paul, you know, you read sort of the bulk of his letter to Romans, for instance, and you get to chapter 15, and then you've got all the greeting, personal greetings bit at the end, you know, greet this person, greet this person, greet this person, greet this person, and it's just a list of names. And it's especially difficult when it's people you don't know. Uh, I've travelled a lot over the years, and I used to come back home with lots of pictures, and I'd... So say to Lorraine, look, look at these, these, these are people I was meeting. She says, look, it's just a sea of faces. I don't know any of them. I mean, you're, you're very excited about people you know, aren't you? But it's actually quite difficult to get excited about people you don't know. And so what tends to happen when we read these letters of Paul is that we, you know, we sort of read the main pits and then all the namey bits, we tend to leave. I'm going to encourage us not to do that this morning with this letter of Colossians because there are quite a few important things said about these guys uh, and perhaps it will encourage us how we think uh, along the same lines of Paul. So I am going to get something out of the people. But the first thing I want to talk about is the aspect of prayer. And of course it comes out right at the beginning of this Uh, passage here, devote yourselves to prayer. Now, if there is anything that is likely to make us feel guilty, it's when we start talking about prayer. And when we have a week of prayer, like we're coming up to this week, oh no, Um, you know, I'm not sure whether I can engage that much. I don't know whether it fits into my program, my agenda. I don't spend enough time praying, and I'm not very good at it anyway. I get distracted in all sorts of different directions. Uh, and so a sermon on prayer isn't very close. And half this morning's talk is going to be about prayer. So, uh, you know, put your armor on. Um, and we'll, we'll see if we can make it a little bit less burdensome than it might otherwise be. Lorraine and I happened to go on the first Sunday of this year to speak in another church, not a million miles away from here, but not actually in the Oxfordshire region. And uh, the leader of this church said to me, it would be really, really lovely if you could come and give us a sort of visionary word for 2011. We'd really like to hear something that will set us off into 2011 with a sense of vision and purpose. And, you know, we know where we're going and this is really great. 
So, a few days before that first Sunday of the year, um, I, I was praying and saying, Lord, you know, what? Um, I mean, I didn't know this church enormously well. I've known various people in it for years, but I didn't know sort of where they were at and what they were doing, so I, I sort of kept saying, so Lord, what? What vision do you want to lay before them for this year? And all I got through that week was, why don't you talk about praying and reading your Bibles a bit? That was literally all I got. And I kept praying and 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 it was a struggle because I, I kept saying to myself, but Lord, this isn't really a very visionary word. This isn't what they wanted. Uh, and there was a struggle of wanting to give some great vision for church in 2011 and victory in 2011. And all I was getting is, how about reading your Bible and praying a bit? And, you know, there's only one thing to do when you feel you're hearing something from God, and that's to obey. And so I said to Lorraine, I said, look, this is all I'm getting. I'd like you to help me a bit. Because we have different struggles, actually, in our own personal lives. Uh, Lorraine's a very good prayer, um, and I'm not. Uh, I have to apply myself to it. I have to work at it. Um, And I really enjoy reading the Bible, and Lorraine does not. Uh, So... So this is, we're quite a good partnership, really, because we can help one another a bit in these two things. Now, I want to ask a question. Who here are the really good prayers? <laughs> okay, that's three, I think. <laughs> okay, so who struggles with prayer? Okay, I, well, I'll get Lorraine to pray for you all afterwards. I think that's, uh, you're going to be busy. Uh, lunch is going to be late today. Um, anyway, um, who really loves reading the Bible? Who struggles reading the Bible? Yeah, okay, all right. Anyway, I'm not going to talk about reading the Bible. You have to work that one out on your own. I'm going to talk a bit about prayer. Um, as it, But, you know, we, we went and we gave this word together, and, and we talked very, very honestly about prayer and reading your Bible and the struggles that we all have. Listen, let me say this very, very clearly to start off with. Reading the Bible and prayer is your oxygen line to God. And uh, if you have struggles with it, it's all very normal. And it's one of the areas of struggle for all Christians because it's so important. And let me tell you this. If the enemy has his foot on your oxygen line, he won't be out to attack you in all sorts of weird ways. Go and murder this person. Go and slander that person. Go and, you know, uh, punch that person on the nose and all the rest of it. He already has his foot on your oxygen line. Uh, You know, that will lead to your demise spiritually. So this is absolutely essential. So anyway, Lorraine and I went to this church and and we shared very, very honestly and very openly and I think we're very, very practical Uh, about the whole subject of prayer and reading the Bible. And this was their great vision for 2011. Actually, I think it's a very good vision for 2011. It's not a bad vision for Passion Week either this week, so there you go. Um, And uh, flocks of people. This is a good church, a good charismatic church, a member of the Salt and Light family of churches, you know. uh, But I couldn't believe how many people came to us afterwards and said... Oh, that was wonderful, so helpful, so refreshing, etc., etc. 
And this is what that told me. Not that we had spoken well, because I don't think it was especially brilliant or anything else. It was just us being very honest about what's going on. But simply because so many people are living in defeat in this area. And so I'm going to talk a little bit about prayer. And if you know it's a challenging area, an area in which you... uh, do live in a degree of defeat, I want you to hear the word that was prophesied. I'm sorry, I don't know your name and I should. Carrie Ann. Okay, the word that Carrie Ann brought about God wanting us to to take us to a new level and set us free and not to condemn us for failure of the past but to, you know, lead us into a whole new area. I believe that that was a word from the Lord and I believe that we need to hear it. So it's easy to live in defeat or guilt. What fascinates me, by the way, by many of the letters of Paul is he gives his major theme of the book. This happens in Ephesians, for example, and it happens here in Colossians. And then he says, oh, and by the way, while I'm finishing, pray, 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 pray. Right. So this is, this is the final thing. This is the final thing. Uh, you know, But it's so important, it can't go without saying. Pray, 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 pray. It's our vital oxygen line. And here we have it, verse 2, devote yourselves to prayer. The word means not only devote yourselves, but keep devoting yourselves and keep persevering at it. It's a very strong word. Keep persevering at prayer. Keep going. Stick at it is the thrust of this word. Being watchful and thankful. Again, another very powerful phrase, which means stay awake while you do it. Who has problems staying awake while they're praying? Yeah, okay, you're in good company. There are several of us, (laughs) right? But it means stay awake while you're doing it, but also, and it might be literal. In other words, don't go to sleep. It's very easy to drift off. But it probably also means stay alert in the spirit, you know, wake yourself up, keep at it. Don't let yourself go all lethargic about it. And how easy it is to go all lethargic and, and religious. We all understand that, you know, praying can be about relationship or religion. Religion is the empty stuff, which is about forms of, of words and shapes of things and all the rest of it. Relationship is the living stuff. I mean, that's, that's what really counts. So this prayer thing is all about relationship. So stay awake, be alert, in thankfulness. Be alert, in thankfulness. One of the things we have to keep doing is thanking God, thanking God, thanking God, thanking God, because that's the thing that gives us perspective that God is a big God, and he's a father God, and he's a God who's at work, and he's a God who's alive, and he's a God who's awake, and he's a God who answers prayer. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for doing that. Thank you we saw you do Thank you that we saw you do that. Thank you that you're at work here in that nation. We're hearing reports, testimonies, etc., etc. Thank you for people's stories today. Thank you that so-and-so was telling me just yesterday how you'd answer prayer in their lives, etc., etc. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That develops in us an atmosphere of faith. Very, very powerful. Devote yourselves to pray. And pray for us too. That God may open a door for our message. So that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I'm in chains. 
One of the things that will make our prayer strongest is when their kingdom prayers are not selfish prayers. When it's about saying, God, you want to get this message out. Well, Lord, we're praying for that. May, may Paul preach it with anointing. May so-and-so do it with power. May those people who are still you know, witnessing for you in Turkey, will you make them strong witnesses to the message of the gospel and let them not be intimidated? You are on a really, really powerful wicket when you're praying kingdom prayers, aren't you? So Paul says, pray for me. Then I'll have an open door for this gospel message. Uh, And then he says, pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Now, let me just tell you, that verse, verse 4, is a very difficult one to translate. And it means, pray that I'll be really, really anointed because I've got to preach the message. I've got to preach the message. I I can't do anything else. Well, pray that God anoints it while it's coming out. It's ever so powerful. And uh, so prayer is the key. What do we need to pray? What do we need to pray? I want to suggest to you that we need to know three things if we're going to pray effectively. Uh, First of all, we need to know that God's near and that he's a father. I want to suggest to you that it is not enough to know that God is sovereign. One of the important things to know is that God is sovereign. (laughs) That we are praying when we pray to God, to an all-powerful God who can do all things, whose arm is not shortened that it cannot save, who wants to see the gospel go out, and who knows about all the details of your life and and all the rest of it. So it is important to know that, but we have met some very strong people in our lives who don't care a jot. And you might believe, and it is possible to believe, and various religious people believe that God is a sovereign God, but they're not really sure whether he cares about me. Or my prayer. Or listening to me. One of the, you know... When his disciples said to Jesus, Jesus, teach us to pray. He said, when you pray, pray our Father. The important key for their effective prayer was not great flowery language, but knowing who they were coming to. They were coming to a Father who cares. He is strong, but he cares. And he knows what's going on in our lives. So the first thing we need to know is that God's near and he's a father. Now, I want to say something here because if we really, really do not understand how much of a father God is in our lives and how much he cares for us, our prayer life will always be a lot more like hope than assurance. You know, there are a lot of Christians who hope for the best. Hoping for the best is not faith. (laughs) A lot of it tells me is that we don't understand the fatherhood of God. It's not to do with the power of prayer. It's not understanding the power of the the the, the, the fatherhood of God. It's all of us believe that prayer is effective. The question is, will ours be heard? 
So this is an absolute key. This is the first thing we need to know. If that's a gap in your life, can I suggest that prayer will always be weak? And perhaps you need to look at this particular area first and foremost. Maybe there's something that God still needs to click into place in our experience. Uh, I want to read just a a couple of pages of of a book. Now, I don't know about you, but... uh, um, Look, this journey of prayer is something that all of us need to grow in, isn't it? And I think if anybody says, and what's your prayer life like? The answer is always not good enough. You know, could do better. We're all very, very aware that this, this is an area that we need to lay hold of, you know, grow in and so on uh, and so forth. And, and uh, this book by Richard Foster on prayer... Uh, I got very recently, and uh, it's, it's a powerful little book. And I just want to read a few paragraphs to you, because I feel like he's got some keys here, but it's really all about God wanting us and welcoming us and being a father to us and so on. And he says this, God has graciously allowed me to catch a glimpse into his heart, and I want to share with you what I've seen. Today, the heart of God is an open wound of love. He aches over our distance and preoccupation. He mourns that we do not draw near to him. He grieves that we have forgotten him. He weeps over our obsession with muchness and manyness. He longs for our presence. And he's inviting you and me to come home, to come home to where we belong, to come home for that for which we were created. His arms are stretched out wide to receive us. His heart is enlarged to take us in. For too long we've been in a far country, a country of noise and hurry and crowds, A country of climb and push and shove. A country of frustration and fear and intimidation. And he welcomes us home. Home to serenity and peace and joy. Home to friendship and fellowship and openness. Home to intimacy and acceptance and affirmation. We do not need to be shy... He invites us into the living room of his heart where we can put on old slippers and share freely. He invites us into the kitchen of his friendship where chatter and batter, I think that should be banter, mix in good fun. He invites us into the dining room of his strength where we can feast to our heart's delight. He invites us into the study of his wisdom where we can learn and grow and stretch and ask all the questions we want. He invites us into the workshop of his creativity, where we can be co-laborers with him, working together to determine the outcomes of events. He invites us into the bedroom of his rest, where new peace is found and where we can be naked and vulnerable and free. It's also the place of deepest intimacy where we know and are known to the fullest.
the key to this home, this heart of God, is prayer. Perhaps you've never prayed before except in anguish or terror. It may be that the only time the divine name has been on your lips has been in angry expletives. Never mind. I'm here to tell you that the Father's heart is open wide. You're welcome to come in. Perhaps you do not believe in prayer. You may have tried to pray and been profoundly disappointed and disillusioned. You seem to have little faith or none. It doesn't matter. The Father's heart is wide open. You're welcome to come in. Perhaps you're bruised and broken by the pressures of life. Others have wronged you and you feel scarred for life. You have old painful memories that have never been healed. You avoid prayer because you feel too distant, too unworthy, too defiled. Do not despair. The Father's heart is open wide. You're welcome to come in. Perhaps you've prayed for many years, but the words have grown brittle and cold. Little ever happens anymore. God seems remote and inaccessible. Listen to me. The Father's heart is open wide. You're welcome to come in. Perhaps prayer is the delight of your life. You've lived in the divine atmosphere for a long time and can attest to its goodness, but you long for more. More power, more love, more of God in your life. Believe me, the Father's heart is open wide. You too are welcome to come higher up and deeper in. If the key is prayer, the door is Jesus Christ. How good of God to provide us a way into his heart. He knows that we're stiff-necked and hard-hearted, so he's provided a means of entrance. Jesus the Christ lived a perfect life, died in our place, and rose victorious over all the dark power so that we might live through him. This is wonderfully good news. No longer do we have to stand outside, barred from nearness to God by our rebellion. We may now enter through the door of God's grace and mercy in Jesus Christ. If we're going to be effective prayers, it has to be through knowing that he's near and he's a father. Secondly, we need to know that he listens as we pour out our hearts. He listens as we pour out our hearts. Sometimes I think we think I couldn't possibly say that to God. I shouldn't say that, should I? I'm a Christian. I shouldn't be negative, should I? I'm supposed to be living in the victory of Christ. One of the things I like about all of those Psalms in the Old Testament is a good many of them are thoroughly realistic about life and how it's not working. And how even prayer isn't working that well. And I cry to God and that's not working. In other words, in other words, a psalmist is often realistic about what's going on in life. And 
You can be risked. And if you think there are some things that you can't say, then the depth of your being will never be touched as it should be by this journey of prayer. And it will never be cleansed as it could be by this journey of prayer. So the second thing we need to know is that God listens to all the outpourings of our hearts. And the third thing we need to know is that he speaks. But it's often in whispers. He speaks, but it's often in whispers. I'm really trying to be ever so simple this morning. <laughs> I think if we don't have the foundation right, we can say, how can we get into the third heaven? Well, if you haven't started you know, getting off the earth somewhere... Uh, you're not going to get into the third heaven to pray and, you know, do business with God. Uh, one of the things that Elijah had to understand when he was desperate, you see, when things are going well, prayer isn't too much of a problem. Everything works for you. So, Elijah has a huge battle on Mount Carmel with the prophets of Baal and you know, fire comes down from heaven, and this is a time of wonderful victory. But immediately afterwards, he's spent and wasted, disappointed, depressed. It's one of the amazing things is how fast, you know, you can go down. Do you ever think that about yourself? Here I am walking along in the sunshine, and then suddenly something happens, and bang! You know, and you think, why did I go down that fast? Well, that's life. That's life. And Elijah hits the wall and he goes down into a depression and he thinks he's the only servant of God round and no one else is with him. And he has a sort of encounter with God. And there's an earthquake and lightning and thunder and all the rest of it and You would think, wouldn't you, that he'd soon come to his senses and hear something. No, he doesn't. (laughs) Because God's not there. Even in the powerful encounter, later on, just a little bit later, God comes and he whispers something. And one of the journeys that we go on in prayer is identifying the whispers of God. And we would love, well, I think we would love a God who shouts at us. So unmistakably, you know, if only he'd speak, we'd know where to go. Well, sometimes he's trying to get us to dial down and to dial down and to dial down so that we can hear the whispers of God. And sometimes that takes just a little bit longer. I don't know about you, I sometimes think, well, Lord, I've got a number of things I need to hear from you about. Perhaps you're not as business-like with your praying, I don't know. But I'd really like to know the answer to this. Lord, I really want this, I really want this. And, we start, you know, and nothing happens. Because God wants to dial us down and dial us down so that we can hear the whispers. Yeah. One of the journeys that we go on in prayer is hearing the whispers of God. Okay, I'm glad you've got that, all that off your chest, he says. You know, you've poured out your heart to me. Now, let me tell you how it is. Let me tell you what I want. Let me tell you what I'm doing.
There are all sorts of exercises in prayer. This isn't a how-to thing. This is about what's really at the heart of it. Paul says, pray for me. Pray. Devote yourself to prayer. In a moment, I'm going to talk about relationships and people. Because they're important. Many years ago, I had a lady who was my secretary, a wonderful, wonderful woman of God who's still here, still lives in Abingdon. And uh, she had been widowed in her 30s, left with four children. It was, uh, it was a tough path that this lady had to walk. She was a woman of God, I have to tell you this, and she also spoke the truth to me time again. Still does. Still, if there's anything that Barbara wants to say, uh, I will get an email, and uh, sometimes it's very nice, encouraging, and, uh, you know, I'm praying for this and I'm praying for that. We're with you. We love your family. It's that sort of relationship. Another time she say, Steve, what are you doing in the church? You know, this, 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 this. It's stuff you need to attend to. And uh, she speaks very directly. One day she said to me, Steve, she said, all of this relational stuff and thing about the body of Christ and friendships and being one together and being supportive of one another, she said, I believe it. She said, But let me tell you something. At the end of the day, you're on your own. You shut the door. And if you don't get it from God, you don't get it. Everything within me wanted to respond, Barbara, no, 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 no. There are people around to help you, love you, support you, encourage you, walk with you, you know. You know, we want to help with your children as well and all the rest of it. And it was like the Spirit of God said to me, shut up. Don't say a thing. She's right. And I think she is. My dear brothers and sisters, if you don't get it from God, you don't get it. You and I must press into God so that we get life from him, so that we hear his word, so that we understand what he's saying, so that we have encouragement in our spirits, hope in our hearts. That comes from God. That's why pressing into God in prayer is one of the most important things and why at the end of his letters, Paul says, be devoted to prayer, be prayers above everything. One of the things we sometimes commend other people for is, oh, they're real prayers, you know, real intercessors and all the rest of it. And, you know, as though that was only given to a few people. That's a lie. The gift of prayer is given to every single person who has a relationship with God. And if it weren't, you and I could not stand or be strong in him. Amen? Amen. Now, that's despite what I'm about to go on and say. (laughs) Uh, But here's a wonderful door that God has opened up to every one of us. And I want to say to you, 
Walk through it gladly, day by day by day by day. Here's a week of prayer. Let me tell you something. The week after is a week of prayer as well. And the week after and the week after. And the special focus weeks are just to keep us in there and keep us focused. Right? But every week's a week of prayer. Amen? Now, you don't seem too sure. Can I just have a little bit of comeback, please? Every prayer is a week of prayer. Amen? Amen. 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 Okay. You know that thing about this is my Bible, I love it, I'll do it. You know, that's that's what we're talking about. Be devoted to prayer. Okay. Next thing. So, two vital things for life. Number one, prayer. Number two, people. Okay. That's what this passage says. So, you've got... Vital for life, prayer, vital for life, people. Okay, now, people are important, and they're an important part of our life too, and they were of Paul. Now, Paul knew where his life came from. His life comes from God. It comes from Jesus. It comes from prayer. It comes from his relationship with him. So that's true. But Paul was also a man with a certain degree of insecurity, And although I'm sure he could fight on his own, he liked having a few others with him. And these people were very important to him. And so he starts to list them off. There's Tychicus, Onesimus, Aristarchus, Mark, Jesus Justus, Epaphras. This isn't just a list of names. When he thinks about them, he thinks about qualities in their lives that are so important to him he thinks about Tychicus and he says hey there's a fellow servant if ever there was one Uh, just like we're all trying to serve the Lord here right if I've got anyone serving the Lord alongside me it's Tychicus it's a syndulos he's called And if I think of Aristarchus, there is no one I'd like with me in a tricky moment like Aristarchus. He's a real fellow fighter or fellow soldier. So we want the fellow servants, we like the fellow fighters. Who wants somebody who can fight alongside them as well? Not with us, but by us. (laughs) Okay. And then he said, and I think of Justice and Mark and their fellow workers. Fellow workers. And one thing about the kingdom is, and church, which is an agent of the kingdom, is it takes work. And it takes willing workers. And I'll tell you what, missional communities will also take willing workers. Any number of willing workers. But especially people who work. And Paul says, I need workers alongside me. And when I think of Mark, and it's interesting because he'd had a a bad relationship with Mark, Barnabas' cousin. In fact, Barnabas and Paul had so disagreed about Mark, who Barnabas wanted to take on a missionary journey with him. And Paul said, no, he's unreliable and not taking him. So that led to two teams. 
I don't know whether this is God's design or man's weakness. I really don't know. But then we had Paul and Silas and Barnabas and Mark, because Barnabas and Paul couldn't agree on taking Mark with them. So, so he, you know, Paul wasn't really strong about Mark. But here we are, he says, and there's no one quite like Mark. Ooh. <laughs> They've worked through their problems. They've worked through their relation difficulties. And now they're working together again. There's a good message for all of us. Okay, that we go through relational difficulties sometimes with people. We'll get it sorted and get on. Don't let it sort of, don't write people off forever. Well, they let me down once. So, forgive. Get it sorted. Move on. Talk it out. I don't know. But anyway, here we are. Here's fellow workers. And then he said, and Epaphras. Oh, there's no one I'd rather have like Epaphras. He wrestles in prayer. He's a fellow prayer. Because Paul's a prayer too. You know, I work with quite a lot of different people on teams. When I go out other places, and it's most of the time, I always take other people with me. And it's just, it's just great when you have sort of people who you know are going to be right with you, heart to heart. You don't have to pull them along. You're not constantly feeding faith. They're right with you. I, I visit a number of churches with a brother of mine called Ron McLean. Some of you know Ron McLean. Listen, there is no one like Ron when you need a spiritual dimension to come in, a, an avenue to heaven. He's a prayer like nobody's business. And you're sometimes walking through a bit of treacle in some situation that you're going through, and Ron just prays heaven down. I mean, it's, it's always breaking in, breaking in, breaking in, because that's Ron. He's wonderful. And I love going out with Roger Cole as well. And, you know, we go... We go out together. I, norm- I normally do most of the preaching teaching and, and then say, Rog, what you got? Well, those of you who know Roger know he's always got something. He's got words of knowledge, words of revelation. God moves in supernatural power. And the re- shall I tell you what I really love? It's not actually mostly that stuff. It's just good fun with Rog. It's just good fun. Uh, when we went to Nepal and India last, which was last November, December, uh, we went to three different situations, and he just got a new CD that had sort of, and one track of this C- CD had captivated Roger's heart, and um, it was the latest Godfrey Bertel CD, and one of, one of the tracks is, it's bubbling, it's bubbling, it's bubbling in my heart. Now, you may not know this, but this is a great old Pentecostal hymn. It's not a new song, it's a good old Pentecostal one. But this track had captivated Roger's sort of spirit. And all he could think about all the time that we were ministering to all sorts of people was, it's bubbling, it's bubbling, it's bubbling in my soul. So everywhere we went, he says to the guys, can you put this CD on? Can you put this CD on? And in the midst of worship, in serious conferences of all sorts, Roger would say, I've just learned this new song. Can you sing it with me? It's bubbling, it's bubbling, it's bubbling. And he gets the whole lot moving. Everywhere we went, we were in, we were in several different situations Roger's bubbling with the life of the Holy Spirit. It was fun. There's nobody I'd rather have with me than a Ron or a Roger. Or quite a few other people when I think about it. 
You know, we need prayer, but we need people as well. Paul needed prayer, but he needed people. One of the great stories of the Old Testament is a story of David and Jonathan. Before David had become king of all the nation and people were gathering around him, but, but King Saul was after him. And, and there's one part of the Old Testament where it talks about David and Jonathan becoming like covenant brothers. And the passage actually says in 1 Kings chapter 18, it says, and it's not 1 Kings chapter 18, it's 1 Samuel chapter 18, forgive me, it says, David's heart was knit with Jonathan's. Jonathan's heart was knit with David's. They became covenant brothers. And and then David has to run away into the wilderness because King Saul's chasing him. Jonathan's heart, where is Jonathan's heart? It's with David. And so Jonathan goes, can you imagine going to the wilderness and trying to find somebody who's hiding in a cave, for goodness? And it's not obvious. But Jonathan goes, seeks him out, searches for him, And then there's this marvellous phrase, and Jonathan helped David find strength in the Lord. In other words, David, I don't know why you're in this cave, but let me tell you something. And this is what he said. He said, Saul may puff, huff and puff, but you're going to be king (laughs) because God's spoken. It's a promise. David, don't get all down inside. Time for you to... You know, keep faith in God because God's given you a promise. We need prayer, we do. But we need people. Now let me turn this round and say, and other people need you. Um, Slice bread, us in sandwiches. You never know what you're going to get from Graham, do you? You've got this wonderful sort of spiritual flow of prophecy coming on, and then Graham says, how about God's making you all into sandwiches? <laughs> now we can see it. Now we can see it. Yes. God wants to join us with other people so that through us he can support other people, help other people, strengthen other people. So this is not something you think, and I've got no one alongside me. You know, whenever you talk about friendship, people say, I haven't got any friends. The answer is, who can I be a friend to? There's a proverb that says, he who'd have friends must show himself friendly. Yeah, in other words, who can I be a friend to? And uh, I want to suggest to you that these two dimensions are very important. Turn up, press into God, press into God. You know, go further in that journey with him. But who can we be friends to? Who's God joining us to for the sake of the gospel? One of the things God did with me many, many years ago when I was a Baptist pastor... Not quite knowing where to go in this church that had been visited by the Holy Spirit, not really knowing what to do, is he gave me friends. Actually, not first of all in that church, but outside the church, who were a real support. When we walked through various fights, especially one church meeting, which was really hot, I mean, and I knew it was going to be hot, 
We were meeting in the church building next door in my house. There were several of these friends who were there interceding for this meeting that was going on. Standing with us in prayer. And look, God might want to join you to one another like that. I think that's the heart of these missional groups. That he's the Lone Ranger type stuff. Those don't belong to New Testament Christianity. There's something seriously missing in me and my ministry type stuff. I'll just do it for Jesus. We need prayer and the power of God. We need people with whom our lives are joined and connected, linked and tied for the kingdom of God and for what he wants to do. And if we want to be strong for him in the kingdom cause, it'll be about finding the joinings of God and those who we can work with in a way that our lives can have multiplied power to them. Let me just finish off. There's a verse in Ecclesiastes chapter 4 that says two are better than one. Now, this passage is normally read at wedding services, but it's not about weddings. (laughs) And it's not only about marriages, although I'm sure it's true of marriages that two are better than one. (laughs) But it's about finding the joinings of God and working together. It's the Jonathan David type situation, finding friendships and joinings of God that will make us strong, keep us strong. And it says, uh, in these verses, I'm going to finish off with this. If I can find the book of Ecclesiastes. Yes, here we go. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. Two people are more productive than one. Fairly obvious. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. (laughs) Self-evident. Okay, so more stronger together. Also, verse 11, if two lie down together, they'll keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? It's my wife's plea to me, especially when her feet come on me again. (laughs) More encouragement. Uh, we can keep one another warm. There's a more, greater sense of encouragement together. Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three stands is not broken quickly. And with God in the mix, two are unbeatable. If God's this third strand. There's something about, Jesus said, if two or three of you agree about Something on the earth, it shall be done. The power of agreement, working together, side by side. We need to give up our individualism and get into the sort of joinings that will make us all strong together for the sake of the kingdom. Amen? Amen. If God stirred up anything as we've prayed and you just want to pray with us. If those of you who struggle in prayer want to get Lorraine to pray with them, she's ready. And so are others, because it doesn't depend on Lorraine. If it's time for breakthrough, breakthrough in this whole area of prayer, uh, then come for breakthrough. If you know the enemy's foot is on your supply line, time to repent, repent, get breakthrough, and get the oxygen flowing again. So, 
whatever level we want to respond on. If you want prayer, please respond and let's get the Spirit of God moving more powerfully in us again.